Welcome to No Clip. <laughs> uh, this is not like a uh, an official real episode here. Um, me and JJ, say hello, JJ. Hi. Are uh, just gonna record this little intro bit and then another intro bit for the next segment. But there's a lot of content that was removed from both the Kingdom Hearts and Undertale episodes. We like those games. Yeah, those are both very good games. And uh, and so I wanted to use it, but the episodes were going on sort of alongside. So we decided to jam them together into a shorter sort of, I guess, bonus episode. Yeah, yeah. If we want to be so self-important as to call hearing <laughs> us talk more a bonus. bonus. Uh, <laughs> um, so the first thing that we're going to play for you is a discussion that Andy and JJ were having about Kingdom Hearts 2, which we had actively decided not to talk about on the show. <laughs> but you cannot shut these motherfuckers up about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, touch. So, um, if you want to, like, give we, a brief description yeah. of what you were talking about. Uh, intro to this clip is uh, we were debating... Uh, the amount of whether or not it was consistent uh, for Sora to have displayed so much like ludicrous anime strength uh, in Kingdom Hearts Two compared to the kind of things he was capable of in Kingdom Hearts One. Yeah, so uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and fade this out and then fade in to that clip. So enjoy. He's wielding a weapon. He's not a superhero. He takes energy attacks to the face constantly. But he's still, he's just a kid. That's like, at least, the way it's set up in like the first game, he's a kid who's given like this supernatural weapon that grants him some special abilities. And in two, they're like, fuck it, he can jump 30 million feet in the air. He's older. He can cut through buildings. He can I, remember, I remember when I was like taking the, uh, the presidential fitness test. In the in the fourth grade, and I could only high jump like uh, like a oh, foot and a half. And then in the sixth, and in the sixth grade, I jumped over the school <laughs> and into the next county. It can do it just, shit better. It, it too. just it feels inconsistent, like with the way the rest of the game. Works. Why can he do shit better in two? It's Did not you say inconsistent. He was it's in not egg? inconsistent in two. Yes, it's inconsistent can't, in comparison to one. And he that's can't, it. No, he can't do that much. Like. He can't do stuff to that same level or caliber throughout the whole Sonic game. Blade. Which one is that? one. It's essentially Rising Sun, but as a skill you can use at any time. Yeah. And that's like, it's an ability of the Keyblade. Like, if he had, like, a regular sword, he wouldn't be able to do that. Well, yeah, because he wouldn't have magic abilities. Yeah. Like, it, all it's, the abilities are from it's, it, having the Keyblade. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the Keyblade lets him do that attack... That's different than him just being able to jump 50 feet in the air. I, it's a fantasy setting. I, see, I just, He's, I think, I think it conflicts with itself. It conflicts with one. It's all it conflicts, I, it conflicts with. with two. You can teleport in two. It's specific to that situation because of that attack. Drive forms. Drive forms are magic given to you by the character, like the fairies and Mickey and Merlin. Yeah, but you have the magic. Yeah. And you can only use it in specific situations. No, you have the magic. 
and you can't use it all the time. You can you use it, and then you have to I mean, mechanically, it. there's a drive form gauge, but like yeah. the fairies didn't give you a drive form gauge. The fairies right. gave you clothes with magical powers. Right, and then they still have like a period of time after you use them that you can't use them anymore. You're missing my point. My point is that it's established constantly in 2 that you're superhuman in regular gameplay. How? Not to the same extent, of course, but that's why it's a final boss. Because you're doing ridiculous, over-the-top shit better than anything you did before because you're, like, at the absolute peak of your abilities. But, like, you couldn't do that five seconds ago before you walked through the door. And now that you've walked through the door, you can cut through buildings and jump from 50 feet It's not because you can walk through the door. We're only saying that because it's within the context of a video game. Think of the stuff that you did on the all of, uh, Organization 13 boss battles leading up to that fight. You sprint up the side of a building. Also stupid. That's what yeah, I'm but talking about. That's not... You're switching between two different points. You could have the point where you think it's dumb that they ever empowered him at all. Or you could have the point where the amount he's empowered in the final boss battle of 2 is inconsistent with 2. I'm saying that we can disagree about whether we like how much he was empowered in 2 or not. I'm okay with that point. Mm -hmm. The point that I disagree with is that it's inconsistent within the context of 2. It's inconsistent compared to 1. It's completely consistent in the context of just 2. I see. I would still disagree. I think it's consistent from the time you get to the world that never was to the end of the game. Before that, the reaction commands never grant you, like, it would seem to be able to grant you the ability to run up a wall. You, the dragon in uh, the Mulan world. What about it? It's like a billion times your size and you have the strength to literally knock it out of the sky into the ground. And how do you do that? The reaction command. But, like, what does Sora do to do that? He hits it with a with the Keyblade. And, and that's it? Yeah. Are you sure you don't have to, like, jump up onto it and then hit it a bunch first and then knock it down? Because I think you do. But why is that relevant? Because it makes sense, or it makes more sense anyway. It's like when you run, like, you're like, if you like, if you get up on top of it and then you're, like, attacking it, and you do, like, a couple of combos, and then the reaction command comes for you to then make, like, a final blow that knocks it oh, out of the sky. Oh, that's Okay. Makes more sense than you just being able to, like, throw the keyblade at it <laughs> and it falls out of the sky. <laughs> sure. In Beast's Castle, okay. you jump on top of a chandelier, force it onto the ground, shove it into the boss that you're fighting at the time, Spin it around the entirety of the, like, The Heartless dancing. is inside the chandelier. So when it comes down, it comes down, yeah. then you jump onto it. Yeah. You didn't jump up into the... But you're forcing the chandelier to it, fucking spin it spins, and hit it. I think it spins itself. Because if you don't jump... No, if, if you don't jump onto it, it spins around anyway, and that hits you as an attack. Right, so then what's the reaction command? Them. You're just you, that you're jumping onto it and avoiding the attack. No, no, because it damages it. it. It takes it out of the chandelier at the end. Uh, yeah, at the it. end, it, he does fall out of it, and then you hit him with it. I have no idea what the it you're referring to as. But the, the harvest comes out of the chandelier, and you hit it with the chandelier. But we can we can move on. You uh, you previously established that the instantaneous hydra decapitations you thought is ridiculous. Yeah, 
That's but if but saying it, it's ridiculous, you would think it's an instant of superpowers. I guess that that kind of falls in line with the movie where Hercules can do that is probably why it's in there. Maybe maybe different. Uh, the Lion King level. When you are literally... Oh, fuck the Lion King level, like, through and through, though. It sucks. Even if you think it's... <laughs> even if you don't like it, it's okay. still an assignment. Sora does jump a million feet. As a lion. On top of, on top of the and giant part of this thing. when it comes down to try and stop you, there's a reaction command in which a thing the size of, like, a five-story building, elephant mm-hmm. creature, attempts to smash you with its paw, and you fucking block it. You go up and then throw it away. <laughs> that's, I guess that's true. Okay, that's one instance. No, two, because you accepted the Hydra sequence. <laughs> I get it. Okay, two, two instances. Arguably magic in the Aladdin level in two, when you're fighting the two like ice and fire demon heartless creatures that are like jumping around and using magic on you and stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yes. Uh, is a reaction command sequence in that, in which you grab a hold of one of them, uh, force it on your keyblade, aim it at the other, and fire it off like a rocket launcher into the other. That all seems... That seems pretty keyblade-centric. Yeah, keyblade-centric, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. All my points are keyblade-centric. He can't just do... Oh, true, shit. true, yeah. That was part of my point. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't really trying to help. I, <laughs> I mean, it is, though. It is keyblade-centric. It's magical abilities of the Keyblade. But the Keyblade is not central to you being able to sprint up a building. <laughs> I'd argue in the lore of the game is supposed to be. Yeah, I would probably agree with it. Yeah. I mean, I, you could actually, like Final Fantasy shit, like the cloud fight, the Sephiroth cloud fight cutscene, mm-hmm. cloud does ridiculous shit, and I don't, he's not supposed to have magic of any kind. Right. Um, but anyway, last week we talked about, about a game where you play as a like a little girl who can't walk around bushes. Like <laughs> this, is, this is so backward. Yeah. Alright, well let's talk about other things. Yeah. Alright. Well I get I think of water. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna talk about it while he's gone. Kingdom Hearts Actually, I'm gonna do like nine so when he's in the bathroom and the water and jumping like a million feet in the air. Fucking like a flat, like a winged puma. And then you jump on like a dumb motor- Mike, motorcycle that comes from nowhere. Riku just shows up on it. <laughs> and then you guys fight a fucking metal and, dragon. And, and Andy, he's a, gone. He's a, gone. A blue eyes black metal he dragon. He walked away. Yu-Gi-Oh played the blue eyes black metal dragon card and you have to fight it. It's time to duel. <laughs> it's in the heart of the cards. Yeah. Fuck that whole ending sequence. <laughs> Wasn't that classic? Oh, that was such fantastic content. I know. This is certainly not one minute after <laughs> our last recording. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the other piece of cut content that I had that I wanted to put in was um, this bit that we did on the ending of Undertale. Uh, I think that the discussion that we had on the game was a lot more substantive than what we cut out because <laughs> there's a pretty good portion of it that was just like us reading Wikipedia. Because <laughs> when we go through all this, we only do like one playthrough. We're, we're not a review site, we're just like a, you know, a, a weekly game playing site. So going through Undertale, a game who's one of its biggest sort of 
pushes uh, was multiple like replayability and multiple endings and all the nonsense. We all get the same ending. Yeah, <laughs> we we didn't have a lot of the the information about everything with the game going into it. Right. We still want to talk about it because we recognized it as being like part of what made the game unique. So uh, we did like look some stuff up and then talked about it for a little while. But a lot of what was in the beginning of it was super boring. And, and we like, hated it. And yeah, it's like, not very good. <laughs> some stuff was wrong. It was Yeah. Um, but we did have a fairly decent discussion about like how the endings affect our interpretation of the game, which I do want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that I think that our... Since recording this episode, uh, me and JJ have had like a number of discussions on this game, and particularly relating to the argument that we had at the end of the episode. Yep. And, uh, I think we're, we're like, we're fresh-faced youths in the, uh, <laughs> in the podcasting community. <laughs> uh, so maybe we're not, like, as experienced as we should be, but I think in the future we're going to attempt to get that, like, the level of discussion that we had outside of the cast onto the <laughs> cast. <laughs> yeah, that seems fine. Yeah. This is, I don't know, I, I often wait too long with games like this to marinate, uh, oftentimes to good results, but things go real slowly in terms of my opinions. For example, uh, since recording the Undertale cast, it, I have solidified in myself in my mind that Undertale is my favorite game that I've ever played. Oh, that's pretty, um... Surprise. That's no, pretty surprised. I'm not as surprised, but, uh... <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but, um... Also, there's some things in this recording that you're about to hear that are just, like, objectively incorrect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I guess take the opinions expressed within with a grain of salt. Yeah. We're putting this here mostly because of our discussion of what we think, how different endings, uh, when they're wildly different and in some ways inconsistent with each other, can affect our, your experience of games and whether or not we think it's a positive or negative thing. Not necessarily the specific facts in Undertale's case. Yeah, so then I'm gonna, I'm gonna fade this part out, and I'm not gonna fade into the other one. It's just gonna be kind of an abrupt wall of sound. <laughs> <laughs> so prepare yourself for that. I, I just learned about this, so I'm not gonna have any valuable insight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. The way that I see it is kind of like I, I feel like the flowy character development provided by the the true pacifist ending is something that's like it feels if if we're talking about how it affects the game as a whole, if the true pacifist ending to you makes the narrative of the game feel better, then I think that the narrative of the game as it stands, as probably ninety nine percent of people who play the game are going to get the neutral ending. Mm-hmm is lacking, because if we're going to go so far as saying that knowing what Flowey is benefits your understanding of the story, then the story doesn't make any sense as is. Like, you, if you don't know that, he just is, like, a malevolent being at the beginning and end of the game, that if you don't double back and see him again over the course of the game, just basically disappears and then shows up again for seemingly no reason. I like... I think it it kind of makes sense to have it there as almost like a reward for getting, like, the good ending. Right. But I, I feel like it's still... 
the yeah. game lacks without it. Like I just I was ignoring so. that fact when I was talking about the game before. It's just kind of like I, don't I, I would prefer not to know. Honestly, I, I I like having it there. If you like complete the game without like you overcome like the that greater challenge, right? As like a you know, I don't know. I think it works in that way. I. I don't think that's a good justification for this game, or like games generally, who provide like huge, huge story differences for doing like lots of really insane specific actions. Because actually, I think you've sold me since discussing about this later, particularly since my my thoughts aren't particularly concrete since we both just learned about this. But Flowey, even though he's like crazy and unexplained, definitely the ending is supposed to paint him as like this like weird malevolent force, and that's not a thing that generally needs explained in these kind of narratives. And I don't like when games, uh, when you do like the hyper uber specific thing, like rewards you by changing huge things in the narrative because it makes things seem more fluid than they are. Because like as you, if you beat the game in the neutral ending, Flowey seems completely, just statically unredeemable, and information. The information about his, like, origin as this, like, soulless recapitulated form seems to support that, but the fact that a soulless recapitulated form would ever work to, like, the betterment of other beings than himself is that... I don't like that change specifically. <laughs> like, if I had to be more specific than I have before, I don't like it when you as a game can, like, talk down the antagonist if you do, like, the hyper-specific thing. Because I feel like the hyper-specificity of that thing compared to how it's developed in, like, so much more of the lore of the game, makes it seem less like an alternate outcome and more just, like, a thing that's incongruent with the rest of the character. Right. Like, rather than... To, like, just in the in the case of, like, enemies that exist in, within the main game itself, like, you can talk down most of the day-to-day enemies simply by just being generally nice to them, whereas, like, a lot of bosses require you to solve some kind of, like, puzzle to figure it out, which is, like... That's not sending the same message. Like, the boss isn't rewarding you for being nice. The boss is rewarding you for, like, trying all of your options. I disagree in that case. I, I liked it in the flower example because it was a narrative difference. Because what you did said something different about f- who Flowey was that isn't congruent with his character. But, like, but this fucking game. doesn't really have that much of a character. Well, they try and give him one in the. Yeah, but I'm right. saying, like, it doesn't really, like,. It doesn't feel as significant to me as apparently it does to the both of you. Because, uh, <laughs> like, I feel like, as it stands, Flowey is kind of like a generic evil. Right. And then, what, like, if you get, you do the true pacifist ending and you get the backstory, like, I don't know, like, it doesn't really, like, affect my opinion of the villain otherwise. Like, I don't feel like it, it doesn't really, like, change... The character for me. I guess like the. Long I guess like and I, I, I kind of can like can separate it. It's like I can still see Darth Vader as Darth Vader, even though I watched the prequels. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It doesn't bother me. That's. I mean, I think for me, the long and short of it is, I'm willing to accept Flowey as an ultimate evil character that just shows up to fuck things up at the end, if I'm just accepting that because the ultimate conclusion of this story doesn't mean as much to me as how the rest of the game I, I can agree to that as right. well, yeah. But it's about the journey for when, me. When you give it that, like, the backstory, the explanation, the ending, it, like, lends a level of importance to it that I don't think that it warrants 
given the explanation that they gave. Oh, God, we all disagree with this on so many different points, because I have, like, <laughs> three or four things I want to respond to now. First, I don't think the Darth Vader comparison is accurate, because Darth Vader has an explanation for what he is. Darth Vader is not just, like, super right. god guy who comes in and is unstoppable and fucks things right. up and is irrationally, like, hateful of all life. Darth Vader, even within the original part trilogy, is a person who ends up eventually redeeming himself. And there are, right. even if you don't have specific explanations, even if all you get is, oh, he fell to the dark side, the fact that he can be convinced out of it through the love of his son suggests that he had reasons in the first place and wasn't just, like, a force of evil that exists right. in the universe. But, I mean, like, Fl- like Flowey was a person that, like, lost their soul, though. But you don't know that without the true pacifist ending. Right. You, yeah. He didn't... But you also, you don't know Flowey's backstory without getting the true pacifist ending. Right. I know. It's... In, yeah, in the base game, Flowey's less Darth Vader and more the asteroid in Armageddon. Yeah. Like, he <laughs> has no character motivation, right. it's just going to fuck things up. And what I... I would have wanted, ideally, the explanation for what he is to have existed in some way that's easier to access in, like, all three endings. I think I would. I wanted an explanation for why, in contrast to every other living being you encounter in Undertale, there is this one thing with no redeeming qualities at all. Right. Even and, and even if it's just you know the magical hand waving of it's a recapitulated body with the will to live but no soul, I'm still satisfied with that. I just wanted to know why a game that spent so much of its time trying to tell you that like everything that's alive has value, even if you don't understand it at first would make an exception to this one thing. Right. But then with the ending... But I mean, like, Flowey's, like... I don't know, I think the game's kind of trying to have its cake and eat it, too. Like, it wants to give you, like, some, like, window into the backstory without telling you at all. Right. Because I feel like the creator probably has an answer to all these questions. But, like, they didn't want you to know. I mean... Maybe that's giving them too much credit, but... I I feel like there's probably... Something they thought of, but then for, like, resources or whatever they couldn't, I mean, like, implement. But right. at the same time, it's He's just, like, like, what's there seems hollow. He is, like, a human, right, who lost his soul there, which is pretty alien to the area. Could have something to do uh, with Flau that. was a monster. Oh, Flau was a monster? Right, because Ezreal was the oh, son yeah. of Oh, yeah, Ezreal was Asgore. a monster. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm mixing things up. The... Yeah. To try to make an explanation. Okay. <laughs> since, we, since we all disagree on so many things... Um, yeah, I just, I don't think learning that backstory really impacts it for me that much. Uh, I did text Andy about, like, coming to record for this, and I was like, we're going to do like, a little intro to the bonus episode, is there anything about Kingdom Hearts or Undertale you want to address? And uh, his response was just, uh, how much they suck. <laughs> Oh, I see. <laughs> just, right. yeah, like, that's what you want him to, uh... God. To say. Yeah. When... He uh, actually had nothing that he wanted <laughs> to put in, but he did say that. When I... I was going to wait uh, to, to tell Andy that Undertale was my favorite as well, because I assume that we'll get in, like, a huge argument forever about it. Probably. Because he will internalize that as, I think this game is better than Kingdom Hearts, and it will probably lead to blood. Right, yeah. You guys might divorce. I think. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be... I mean, I don't know. I don't put any weight on what your favorite games are, considering like two-thirds of them are really bad. <laughs> Thanks. Good. 
Me and Andy generally don't agree that we don't have two thirds of each other's lists being real bad. So, also, it's all the sex that we have and I'll, stuff. Yeah, it creates these other tensions. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Uh, that will do it because we are out of clips that uh, were cut from the Kingdom Hearts and Undertale episodes. Oh my god, that was a pro level ending. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, thanks for joining us on. <laughs> Uh, a bow this clip. Uh, <laughs> bow clip. <laughs> Short for bonus. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week with a discussion on trying. Play it. Enjoy it. Ooh, later. I feel like I could probably cut the whole thing about the endings and just slide this like five minutes back and this is just like the optimal second half. I'd probably agree, yeah. Yeah.